The TV show is now available on Amazon, running the Triple Crown. Ryan Clayton and I collaborated on this project. Six episodes, they're all available now on Amazon, so check that out if you get a chance. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here, excited to be on. Hey folks, it's Kyle Robidoux here, excited to be on the Training for Ultra podcast and talking about United Inside. I think that speaks to the relationship that evolves from, one, not only the running community, but as you mentioned, the ultra and trail running community, but also that grows out of the runner and sighted guide relationship. It really takes running, which I think a lot of people view as a very individualistic sport, and it turns it into a team sport, which is beautiful. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man, so you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. Jam Jam, Jamil Curry here from Arab Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hi, this is Alex Nichols. Uh, welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. Right now, I'd say that my beers per day is still higher than my miles per day <laughs> that I'm running. 100 miles is not that far. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. The episode 142 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And we have Scott Jurek on this episode, along with Kyle Robidoux, United in Stride. And if you're wondering what's United in Stride, check out the show notes. Left a link in there. But yeah, you'll hear all about it. It's a really, really cool program. Can't wait to share it with you guys. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. If you haven't tried them out, feel free to use my referral code, promo code 252888 to save 15% off your first order. I just tried out some Exoskin socks. They sent me some fresh ones. Oh my gosh. Uh, definitely check out Exoskin. Check out the show notes for a discount code. And I just, I forgot what a fresh pair of Exoskins feels like. I mean, I've had some since Moab 240 of 2018 that I still wear, but nothing like getting a fresh pair. Uh, so big thanks to Croy for sending those out, but they got a bunch of different color options now. And I got some, it, it's weird to get excited about white socks because I haven't worn white running socks, I think basically ever, but check them out. They have just high quality all around gear. Big thank you to Kogala. I've gotten a lot of requests on what light do I recommend during just big efforts, 24 hours, 48 hours, multi-day type efforts. And Kogala is what I personally favor. I mean, it's kind of earth shattering when you put a Kogala light on a waist belt and you can move your head around during the nighttime. 
but the settings of that light can get so bright that it's kind of game changing. It, it changes your mental attitude at night a lot of times and really helps you see on technical terrain. Can't recommend them enough. I'm thankful they're a sponsor for sure, but I would. it's hard to not use a Kogal light after you use that one, honestly. Big thank you to Destination Trail. They got a ton of races, virtual races. Um, listeners should definitely check out if you get a chance. Got those trademark belt buckles at stake. I think they have one of the longest virtual races available. So I know there's been a lot of races canceled this year, but... Destination Trails continuing to put on some really cool virtual races, so check them out. Last but not least, Patreon supporters. Giant thank you to Brian Sands. He is now um, one of the, the major sponsors within Patreon. Just huge huge supporter. Richard Murray, too. Both of those guys are just crushing it. I really, really appreciate them. And then still within this big shout-out list, David Brian, Meg, Landon, Pat, Joseph, Ray, Todd, and Matthew. You guys are in the shout-out tier. I really, really appreciate you guys. And hopefully we can have you all on again. Maybe have another Patreon kind of group chat here coming up soon. But regardless, if you're donating $100 a month or a dollar a month, I mean, it's all going towards inspiring content for you guys. So I really, really appreciate you making this all possible and all work. I'm joined here by Scott Jurek. He's a New York Times bestselling author, a legendary ultra runner, and just an awesome person. And also Kyle Robidoux, who is the director of United in Stride and an ultra runner. And I also have Alyssa Clark here to help co-host. Welcome, guys to the Train for Ultra podcast. Just really excited to speak with all of you. It's great to be here. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, yeah thanks super. so much for inviting us. And I mean, th- I've been thinking about this conversation for a long time. Kyle and Scott, I met both you guys in person out during the Western States 100 lottery, I believe. And I was just, I was blown away with the Western States lottery, first of all, but then seeing Scott doing something totally unexpected there, I don't know, Scott, if you could share with the listener kind of some background as to what was taking place there. And then I want to hear more about how you guys met. Sure. Well, I actually had never been at the Western States 100 lottery. And people are shocked at that. It seems like it's uh, being there for the first time. It was quite the spectacle. I didn't realize. I mean, I'd heard rumors that it's gotten pretty popular and people flew in from (laughs) different parts of the country and maybe even world to like just uh, experience like their name being drawn or, you know, just that excitement. And so it definitely was surprising to just see the numbers of people. I think there were, I don't know, was there 400 some people there it's just a packed auditorium like standing and, room only <laughs> yeah definitely and luckily uh we had a spot for for kyle and um i think uh gosh who else was with us kyle i'm trying to remember um for cia uh, eric, eric that's right eric, eric strong. strong from yeah eric strong, yeah. yeah that's right yeah so we had a couple of vi runners visually impaired runners uh at present at the lottery so it was a lot of fun to to see that and 
Kyle and Eric were, you know, hoping for their name to be drawn. But, you know, it's one of those things where you just you can feel the excitement in the room. And I was like, gosh, you have to be a real ultra, you know, nerd to be at this event. But it's not really that scene. It's like people are really um, it's really cool to see people like when they're, you know, present and available to draw. And then, you know, the fact that they draw just from the people at the end who are present. So they're kind of in this special lottery. And, and that's what really makes it, I think, you know, your odds are a little bit better, but, you know, it's a very hard race to get into and I can see why people are so pumped and the energy around the room and, and just that excitement. So, um, I know Kyle, you know, he could probably describe it even better detail because he's got all his other senses, uh, attuned because, you know, not being able to maybe visually take it in as much. Um, yeah, it's just really cool. The, the environment. Kyle, what was the experience like for you? I, I I'm trying to recall, were you drawing tickets also? Yes, both Scott and I were drawing tickets on behalf of Cliff Bar, and I actually, this past year, I was not in the lottery due to not having a qualifier, but I was there the year before in person, uh, which was kind of the subsequent year that I ran Western States, but yeah, I described it as kind of a controlled circus-like environment, <laughs> and I think Scott described her honor nerds. Actually, not nerds. It's like Nirvana. Uh, just to see that many people in the room waiting for their name or family member to be picked. And Scott mentioned, you know, your chances are slightly increased by being there in person. So the folks flew in or drove five to six hours uh, to be there in person is, is pretty crazy. And I think logistically, they have this nailed. And it's just a smooth process. And it was fun to get up on stage and pull some names and uh, represent Cliff and also just be part of that amazing Western States community. I no hard feelings, guys. I, I really wanted you to pull my name, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll let that go. Um, and, and so take us back to, to how you guys connected originally because United in stride, I, I might've heard it on a, I don't know, maybe a podcast in the past, but you know, and, and visually impaired running, um, I, I'm, a, you know, I'm aware of, and I just haven't known more about it. So I wanted to at least get some background on Scott, how you got involved with this, and I, Kyle, did you reach out to Scott or vice versa, and kind of how did you guys connect? And Kyle might remember wait, it better than I. <laughs> can't wait to hear more about it. I can. I feel like I've known Kyle for a long time. It's like one of those things, and I feel like. I've been guiding for forever, but it's really probably not been that long. I think maybe it dates back to 2015 or so. Were you at that, my first guy, well, one of my first guiding experiences, my first Boston marathon guiding experiences, I think. Kyle, were you running in 2015? I was. I ran that, may have been my first or second Boston. So Scott has guided, you know, numerous races, both the California International Marathon, Black. Uh, marathon championships but then also a couple of years or at least a couple of years at the boston marathon with my work has a team called team of the vision which is comprised of runners who are blind and visually impaired qualified boston marathon runners our sighted guides and then we have about 15 or 16 charity bibs through so scott has been guiding for with that team for a couple times so we first and then uh, and then connection actually i reached out to him uh with his connection to cliff and then 
and we've both been, you know, he's been a longtime partner, obviously, with Cliff Bard. I've been working with them for the past year or two connected to Western states. So that kind of forged or brought the relationship on a slightly deeper level. That's awesome. Amy. Yeah, from a Cliff Bar standpoint, too, I'll just mention it, which was really special. They, you know, as a sponsor and those that are familiar with Western states, it's not a secret. So it's not like we, we got Kyle in secretively or <laughs> I don't even know if I can get into the race anymore personally. It's like <laughs> such a hard event to get in. Um, and, you know, even with my history, so it's not like I was able to pull major strings. But what was really cool is that Cliff Bar, they, as a sponsor, get an entry into the race and like a lot of sponsors for the event at a certain level get an entry and i don't know if that's gonna change or maybe that's not even going to be happening (laughs) in the future but Mm -hmm. it was pretty neat because they chose to give their entry to kyle and you know i was able to you know tell them a little bit what kyle uh, had done with his running career what he was doing with united in stride and so it just seemed like a great fit and somebody who could kind of um you know encourage cliff bar to use their their bib that way it's it seemed super special and you know a lot of times they'll have maybe an employee who's been training and qualified but it just made sense that we'd get you know kyle this opportunity and uh, i think you know again it's just a shout out to cliff bar and how they've focused on not just say fast runners or just keep it within the family in terms of athletes or employees that was like hey let's let's give this individual who really wants to run western states 100 and let's give them an opportunity so yeah it was really cool that they agreed to it i thought you know they still could have said hey we have this long list of employees or we have these athletes that really want to get in and you know kyle uh, couldn't agree kyle got that spot yeah so it's it's pretty cool and and scott when did you first guide i mean you, you sound it sounded like boston marathon you had guided that was like my 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 first bigger race but i actually okay. guided locally here in boulder i got involved with the local chapter of the Achilles um, group and Achilles International is an organization that has chapters throughout the country and the world. And they they work with not just visually impaired athletes, but any athlete. um, And I say that loosely, meaning any individual, you don't have to be a hardcore athlete. They work with walkers, runners, and uh, folks that are in wheelchairs that are, and so you don't have to be visually impaired. They do a lot of work with um, individuals that are a little less abled uh, than those of us who have uh, as much capability. Sometimes I'm like, you know, we, we all have our own abilities. And dis- so I don't like to use the word disability, even though I had a mother who was in a wheelchair. It's it's really people maybe who may not be able to do things the, the way that we see as normal, but they're mm-hmm. still out there. And that's what was really cool is getting connected with the local Achilles International. So I can't say enough, even though I know we're talking about um, some of the organizations Kyle's worked with and including United in Stride, but um, Achilles International is really like my first uh, foray into guiding. So I guided locally here with the group. They would get folks together every week and guide visually impaired runners that wanted to come out, walkers. That's and, amazing. Especially yeah, in Boulder. So that's how I first Those are not easy. <laughs> Streets, trails, wherever you're going, uh, yeah. that's just not an easy place to be. <laughs> it was pretty mellowed out. Like, you got bike paths, so everyone thinks like, oh, Boulder's got crazy mountains but we do have great bike paths and it was actually a great setting to to get introduced to the world of you know guided running and being a sighted guide so i that was my first experience and then um i think like a month later they needed a they had a runner who needed somebody who's a little bit faster and was running the boulder boulder so talk about a crazy guiding experience <laughs> you have you know what is it fifty five thousand people run the boulder boulder and granted they do take off in waves and groups but um, it was a great uh, 
introduction in terms of a race environment. So I guess I was suited well to maybe take on Boston after I had that experience and got connected then to go run Boston after just really sharing some tweets with uh, an individual. Gosh, I can't remember his name. Kyle might be more familiar. I'm totally blanking, but somebody reached out from Team With a Vision which is a local Boston uh, chapter that works uh, with Massachusetts Association for the Blind Visually Impaired. And uh, I'm blanking on his name, but he reached out and said, hey, would you love to, I know you come up to Boston every year and you're out here working, would you love to guide? And I was like, yeah, if I'm, if I'm available to do it, let's, let's try and make it happen. So that's kind of how it happened. It happened really quick. And all of a sudden I was on the bus um, with Kyle heading off to the start of the Boston Marathon with, uh, I don't know whether 60 some visually impaired runners on that bus, Kyle. Something like that. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Yeah, our team is usually around, and then all twenty guides and charity runners. It's probably close to 75, 60 to seventy-five. Yep. And and so, I want to hear more about Kyle's running, Scott. One one more question here: Like, how many ultras have you guided, or have you just done marathons and some sh- some of the shorter distances? Surprisingly, um, I think Western States 100 was going to be my first ultra. <laughs> I think back again. Yeah, most of what Fitting. I've done has <laughs> been marathon. Um, yeah, I can't even think. I, you know, I've been slated to help some of my visually impaired friends on outings that would be ultra distance, but they weren't going to be races. So um, unless I'm missing something, I think, yeah, a lot of them are marathon and shorter, which, you know, is still quite an accomplishment. But yeah, Western States was going to be my first um, trail race uh, to be guiding. But I've spent a lot of time out there guiding. And um, yeah, I feel I feel like you know, and this is for all the folks that are out there, whether they're marathoners, half marathoners, ultra runners. Um, if you've paced, uh, you can guide and if you can run, walk, you can guide too. So I know that it seems like there's a level there of like, oh, you have to have all this experience. Um, I felt like, okay, I've been on the trails a lot. I'm experienced. There's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, communication, maybe errors and wins, and you're going to have great times. And you're also going to have some things that you mess up on, but it's one of the greatest things I think you you don't have to be an expert. So even though like one would assume like, Oh, you got tons of experience. Kyle trusted me (laughs) with the guiding for a portion of Western States 100. And, um, after not having any trail, uh, racing experience guiding. And just really quick, which section did you, you do? So I was slated to do, and I'll let Kyle uh, tell more of this. I was slated to run from, uh, Duncan Canyon to Robinson flat, um, and then fill in anywhere else that, you know, kind of might have needed help. If there was a guy that couldn't, uh, you know, come through for whatever reason, yeah, I was definitely back up for any other section, but that was my, going to be my section. Gotcha. So Kyle, how did you go from running the Boston marathon to taking on Western States? That's a big jump. It was a big jump, but it was very measured and it took me probably three or four years, actually longer from running my first marathon to step up to the ultra distance. I did, I think my first ultra was a timed 12 hour race intentionally on a paved 5k path almost. And then I kind of hopped into the trails and did probably a 50k and then a hundred K and then stepped up to the hundred mile distance and in 2018 was the year that I ran Western States. Awesome. You were totally prepared for it. I shouldn't have said it was a big jump. <laughs> so, Kyle. So, go ahead, Rob. I, I was just going to say, this is a weird comment or question, but I distinctly remember uh, 
running CCC, you know, dark at night and doing these steep climbs that actually mentally I couldn't see much. And I felt like climbing felt more natural. It, it wasn't easier per se, but how did you develop the ability to do climbing? Because um, Western States, it is a fast race, but there's uh, quite a bit of climbing involved. And, and just tell me about how that that change has uh, gone for you. So I have some what we call kind of usable vision. So I'm not completely blind. My vision is about down to a 3 to 4% field of vision. So very constricted tunnel vision. But I do have corrected about 20, 40, 20, 60 vision. So I wear glasses. At night, I'm actually totally blind. My eye disease, I, I have never really had any night blindness. So hiking uphill or running uphill is easier, not necessarily cardio-wise, as you know, but just the margin of error is less. So it's, I think, much more natural for you just to have to pick up your feet over, you know, step up onto rocks or step over roots. And because you most of the time are going at a slower pace uphill, you know, if I was to hit something, I usually just stumble. If I fall, it's not a hard fall rather than, you know, the gravity taking you downhill. So I tend to run downhills much slower than the average person because of that. And I rely 100%, particularly at night, on my sighted guides. So they're the ones who are calling out where I have to step up. And if we're going downhill, you know, where the steps down are. And in the case of races like Western States, you know, where the snow is and where the step offs are from the snow to the dirt or getting up and over creek beds, that sort of stuff. So totally reliant tra- in trail racing on my guides, which for me is part of the exciting challenge of it. I bet. And Scott, could you walk us through how it is um, pacing, kind of the differences of um, pacing duties and how you learned? What is that learning curve like? Yeah, it's definitely a little easier to jump into something like a 5K or you know, half marathon <laughs> or um, you know, running it. You know, guy's second race experience was a marathon, and I actually did it solo, and not to um, brag, but Kyle knows what it's like. Most marathon uh, races, a visually impaired runner will have two sighted guides, sometimes more if the event will allow for it. Like Boston Marathon only allows two. They used to allow a couple more if, if need be, but essentially what you're doing is you're you're uh, the way that I like to describe it is it's kind of PhD level pacing because you're you have to be very focused on communicating as much as you can in a very short window of time and anticipating and assessing the surroundings around you and then you're also trying to I, I think you're, you're not only trying to be a pa- you know, pacer and anybody who's pace knows this like you still are kind of like that uh, I don't know. You're like the, that coach in the ear, so to speak. If you if you had a, it's kind of like the Tour de France where you know you have the headset and the other coaches uh, or from the the team car are giving you know instructions and that sort of thing. It, you're kind of being that individual too. And I think one of the best, you know, the the last piece that I think is the most special about the experience is that you're you're really trying to describe visually what's going on, not just to keep 
a visually impaired runner upright and make sure they don't trip. But you're also trying to give them that visual experience of the race that they can't have. And that what that's what I think creates this really special connection. You're you know, saying like, oh, there's you know a line of people. And even if they can't hear them, um, you know, until you get closer, you just be like, oh, there's tons of people. I, I, that's what I love about it. Now, again, it takes a while to feel comfortable where you can describe what's going on. Or you can, uh, like my buddy Thomas in Boston Marathon, that first time I was pacing Boston, I brought him right alongside the... Wellesley girl, you know, the screaming tunnel that goes on. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who's run Boston knows about that screaming tunnel. And uh, I just brought him alongside making sure that he could, you know, high five. And I think his arm almost fell off because I brought him close and like he's giving high fives to, you know, all the ladies up front uh, at Wellesley. And he's just, again, just giving him, giving him another like sensory experience, even though he couldn't see what was going on. Um, being able to high five people and just that electricity and that special thing that happens in an event. I think that's, again, one of the special gifts that you can give to a visually impaired runner. Maybe Kyle would, he would maybe argue with me or maybe change, but I think that's what's super special too. But again, you have to feel comfortable with it. It's, it's not something you do like from the get go. Cause some people are just freaked out. They're like, okay, am I going to make this person trip or are they going to like, am I not going to be you know, giving them the right instructions, but that all gets ironed out eventually. And then, yeah, you can settle into this rhythm of, giving more like visual input and things that you're seeing out on the race course. Wow. That sounds absolutely, it sounds like you could write a book from the discussions that you're having and what you're experiencing um, for the other person as well. Yeah. There's a lot going on. I mean, I can't always remember everything, but I mean, that's the thing too is like, and it can be, I don't want to sound it. And this is why, you know, Kyle had, I, you had five guides, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, or did you have six for Western States? Five. Five, yeah. So, you know, you can tell it's it's something like if you do 20 miles at, you know, the Western States 100, you are super, especially trail, you are mentally and maybe even physically just, you know, burnt out. Um, so, and that's where some people, you know, like to have a backup or split up a marathon even because, uh, again, just to give kudos to the guides, I mean, you're, you're definitely mentally you know, on having to be on all the time. And so it can be quite taxing. And I remember running with Kyle just on some training runs. Uh, we did one locally here. I was like, okay, this is going to be next level, um, just in terms of like a trail and what you have to communicate in the amount of time that you have and just everything that goes on. So yeah, it's, it's definitely hard on the guide. So that's where you can see with trail events or a hundred mile or ultra stuff, you definitely wouldn't want one guide for the entire distance. I mean, I, I become close to people. I, I've run 10 miles with during a race. So I can't imagine, um, how you guys are after that experience and having, you know, to, to add that extra layer for them and, and help make it happen. It's, it's unbelievable. Truly. Um, Scott, you were in, uh, you're in California for the Western States drawing along with Kyle. And then both you did both you guys do CIM marathon, I don't know if it's the next day or two days later. I did. I was actually out there guiding. Um, as Kyle uh, has uh, frequented the, that event, it's it's usually the U.S. Uh, blind championships. So oh, okay. uh, for the marathon, um, and so they have. I could be wrong, but I think last year did we have close to a hundred athletes? Um, and they also do the relay. So some some are out there competing. 
as part of the you know the marathon championships. But they also Richard Hunter, who is an amazing uh, visually impaired runner, um, but also somebody who's just an incredible organizer and puts so much effort into the uh, the visually impaired community and, and putting on he puts on the event and it's part. So those who are close to Sacramento um, and get a chance or you know, live locally, or if you go to CIM, it's, it's an amazing guiding opportunity because there are a lot of individuals that need need guides for that event. Um, so I was out there guiding, and then Kyle was, of course, competing, right, Kyle? Yes, I ran it, and Rob, I actually think I may have seen you on course. Were you taking photos that <laughs> you day? you got a really course? good memory. I, was, I, I gave you a little pep talk. I think it was like miles okay. 17 or 18. <laughs> oh, I was struggling. No, you, you were doing great, man. I was man. struggling by that time. And, and Richard Hunter, who who Scott referred to, is actually among his role at CIM and with the United uh, States Association of Blind Athletes. He's actually uh, the founder of United in Stride as well. Oh, cool. Kyle, how how'd your marathon go, though? You you ran off by... I was trying to take as many photos as I could. Um, I... I know that I ended up having to do some walking, so I don't remember the result, but pretty confident that probably didn't go all that well. Okay. Uh, and, and CIM, for me, being the end of the year in December, and I usually pack a couple ultras and longer races in the fall, CIM is often just a little bit like a third competing, a third working, and then just a third or if not 100% community. Just as Scott mentioned, there's upwards of 50 to 100 athletes who are blind or visually impaired out there. So it's just a huge family. And between CIM and the Houston Marathon and New York and Boston, there's a cadre of us who, you know, bump into each other at these races. So it's just a, it's a huge celebration. And, and so it's hard to miss, but not one that I usually race all that hard. That's That's amazing that it's a I mean, it's like a family out there for you guys, and we're we're a subgroup of a subgroup as it is. So it has to be a close knit group. Yeah, and I, I'll just say this too: like, yeah, as Kyle mentioned, yet, yeah, and it is like a championship event. There are you know, some phenomenal runners, and some would be surprised that there's you know, sub two thirty uh, runners out there. But that's what they have a hard time. Does any uh, anybody who's faster or knows of really fast folks that live in the Sacramento area or within a couple hours, they're always looking for, you know, the super fast guys and gals that can guide some of these incredible athletes who, you know, represent the U.S. and the apparel Paralympics. And so it's to that level, but then there's people like Kyle who mentioned, like, it's a big family and going out there every year, they have banquets, they have a breakfast, they have speakers. And um, anybody who else wants to get involved as a sponsor, Richard's awesome. always looking for sponsors and needs help. Uh, and it's sometimes local businesses. It's sometimes um, somebody who has a business who's just interested. So it's really a phenomenal event and it brings people together. You don't have to be a championship athlete, but everyone's a champion there. And Richard celebrates everyone. It's really special. I'd, I'd love to get involved more. Um, so would I. From middle of the pack. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Can't throw down a, a two forty-five. <laughs> um. no, well, and I know Kyle and I will probably uh, say this too. Like, it's always good if you have some cushion. Like, you know, I sometimes only guide half uh, at some of these events. I actually guided Richard this past year, but a lot of times, if I'm guiding a sub three guy or gal, like I definitely am not a two. I've been a you know, I've run two thirty-eight before, but I'm not in two 
low 230s or mid 230s shape. So in order to guide some of these people, you want to tack on a good 15 to 30 minutes per marathon just so that you feel comfortable when guiding because uh, it's super taxing so or I, do half of it. I, I shouldn't try to <laughs> guide Kyle for a new PR for myself. Um. Well, you know, I mean, Kyle's, yeah, Kyle can be super tough, so you better watch it. Um, but yeah, you don't have to be, they need guides for all levels, but one, they do have a hard time finding you know really fast folks because yeah you have to be able to run much faster than the uh the athlete that you're you're guiding typically that's good. yeah that's that's good to know i i want to shift gears and hear about 2020 how how has covid19 impacted the blind and visually impaired community and specifically running um running community kyle like is has this been um upsetting to your guys norms or or How's it been for you? I think I, I can share a little bit about just the community. I definitely don't want to speak for it, but I've had enough conversations and then personally as well. But, you know, Scott mentioned Achilles International, which is an amazing organization that we partner with all the time. But, you know, their weekly or biweekly runs were canceled as soon as it jumped off. And most or all group runs that support athletes with different abilities were were put on hold. So you lose that network and that support system uh, that you have. And then I think a lot of guides myself, you know, I put a hold on running with sighted guides, I think in mid-March. So for me, that gave me two options. One, I do have a treadmill at my house. And I know Alyssa is very familiar with the treadmill, (laughs) multiple days on the treadmill. Just a few. And then my local track is about a quarter mile from my house. So, and I can run there safely for the most part by myself and then get on the track. Awesome. So I put in, you know, hundreds of miles. I did, I don't know, a 40 miler and a couple of 50 Ks on the track just because those were my two options. And then I think some folks who may not have the usable vision to run outside by themselves, they were either on a treadmill or, you know, my coworker Chaz, who runs the 230 marathon, and also works for United in Stride. You know, he did a lot of cross training. He got a, I think, a bike and was biking and jumping rope and skipping rope inside his house just to keep the cardio and a little bit of fitness. So, it was a huge impact. If you think about, you know, just general runners, right? I think the biggest change was, you know, group runs, run clubs, running stores not mm-hmm. doing group runs anymore. So that was a huge change. And but folks were still able to kind of get out on their own and run. Uh, so it definitely impacted, I think, a lot of individuals' fitness. And it also was really, if the Boston Marathon, particularly for my work and team with the vision, if the marathon happened in September, I think we we're starting to really question individuals' ability to train through the summer without having the access to guides. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, take aside, now is probably not the best time to have groups of people, but say um, a visually impaired runner wanted to pursue some kind of an FKT, um, is that something that a a guide could help with, or does that happen very often? That's a very good question. I I am not the expert in FKTs, but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, they counted as, like, a supported FKT because there's Mm -hmm. someone running with them. But that's a really great question. I was actually trying to convince, you know, Chaz, who is a Paralympian and, uh, like I said, 230 marathon. I, I've been trying to convince him to, I don't think there's been a 50K 
world record treadmill for a runner who's behind a visually impaired. Oh, that's awesome. So, I mean, that would be so yeah, yeah. Or or on the or on the track. So when Max King and those other folks did that fifty K run, I was trying to to uh coax Chaz into it and at that time I think Boston was still scheduled. So he, just training purposes he was a little nervous. But I think your your question on FKT is a really interesting one. I think last person standing format also, Kyle, is just a huge a opportunity. Because it's it's not going to get overly technical, and and you know the loop you can switch out um, guides when needed. It just seems to be seems seems to be an interesting idea for for you to pursue at some point. Personally, yeah, I mean I've actually looked into it. Maggie Guterol, who obviously won that last year, or the year before, she has been a long term guide. Again, she guided with Phillies Achilles and then came up and ran with me in the Vermont 100 and is in other guiding. So I've actually talked to her a little bit about the course and also the road, the dirt road would be for me. Uh, mm-hmm. But she did say that the the trail course is not overly technical, but she said because it's so windy, it's really difficult just to stretch out your stride and carry any speed. And for me, uh, you know, I turns and windy trails, my speed is greatly decreased just because of the, you know, not wanting to, go off trail and, and hit a tree. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. I was just, I was going to, um, just ask a quick question to Scott of how was the translation and transition from being, I mean, the best ultra runner in the world. I, I will claim that title for you <laughs> um, to being a guide. Like how has that changed your perspective on trail running on racing? Um, I would absolutely love to hear you, you talk about that. Yeah. And I should say this. And again, I don't want to speak for Kyle, but I know he says like running into the tree lightly. Um, <laughs> like it's uh, um, a lot of people think, Oh yeah, you might run into the tree, but these are serious um, injuries that people can get even on road rat races. I know there's some athletes that I've guided where because of their field of vision, like you might think, Oh, they actually can, you know, they have a certain percentage and they might be able to see um, when things are, you know, really far away. But like when something comes up really quick, you know, they can't see it. And so if you can imagine hitting um, not just maybe a tree, but hitting a photographer, you know, kind of like an upright, you know, tripod ladder kind of setup, which you see in a lot of marathons or other road races. I mean, imagine hitting that at, you know, six minute pace or seven minute pace, eight minute pace, or even 10 minute pace. Like it's just anybody who's tripped, we've all experienced that. Even those of us who have our have 100 vision so um yeah i know kyle makes it sound like oh yeah i might hit a tree but yeah it's pretty it, it's pretty like serious and i think what you're doing for these individuals who are visually impaired like yeah they really run risks so when kyle said yeah i'm relegated to a treadmill or a track um it's kind of a a real world situation so a lot of us i think it puts in perspective like you know we can't complain when we only have when we can still like get out maybe a mile or two from our house like early COVID times or even now when things are a little bit more open um for a visually impaired runner not having that that guide and that's where some individuals are you know they have actually have a dog that they can run with so they will have a, a guide dog which um is pretty cool now too that that program's opening up but to answer your your question on the you know, going from somebody who's been competing at a high level to guiding. I think 
I, know I say this a lot, like getting a different perspective on running is helpful for anyone, not just somebody who's say, run at a high level and won a bunch of races like myself. I think it's, it's getting that different perspective of a sport that I've loved and has been such a big part of my life. And all of a sudden, okay, now I'm going to switch things. I'm going to not just, you know, volunteer my time and, and do a lot of it because I've done that throughout the years, but it just put a different perspective on running for me. And I think that's what's probably the, one of the biggest gifts is being able to experience running from a different angle and be like, okay, now I'm going to see this race or have this experience and it's going to be completely different. So that's why I was looking forward you know, to kind of Kyle up the Western States 100 because in a lot of ways, I don't really have a desire to run that race again, surprisingly. I did it for so many years and, and did it you know, at such a high level that I was kind of burnt out on it. But then when Kyle mentioned he needed a guide, I was like, this is the way I want to experience Western States 100 from just that different angle. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've seen from being somebody who's you know run at a high level, but then transitioning and shifting to a different gear and just seeing it from a different perspective. And you don't have to stop what you're doing in terms of a running, um, I guess, athlete or individual. You can go back to doing that. Um, so I think for so you don't have to wait till the end of the, your career to like, okay, now I'm going to start guiding or, or giving back. Mm-hmm. It just so happened I did it at the tail end of my career yeah. uh, more so. And just because of the opportunity that I, I just kind of jumped on it. Um, it's, and just, it seems perfect. Like everyone wins, you know, the, the guides getting yeah. a lot out of it and then the athletes getting a lot out of it. Like every, everyone's happy. Um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And logistically, you know, Scott, it highlighted the volunteerism component of it. And it's a great way to volunteer. If you're a guide and you're already running five or six days a week, guiding could be one day a week. Some guides connect with maybe once a week into volunteer work. And I run with some guides who are, you know, sub three hour runners. And we joke that to make it work like they run they guide me on their recovery day which is my speed so you can be really flexible to make it work and i know that this is an ultra focused podcast and ultra runners make the best guides because not only are they talented and nimble and but the mileage that they carry is usually at a high threshold and their training schedule i think generally speaking is a lot more flexible and i think Although all guides are created equal because they're all given the same amount of time. It's also why we've been successful in getting elite guides like Scott and Chrissy Mail and Maggie Goodrell and Zach Miller and Mike Wardian, you know, because they have that mileage and they're faster in their feet. Uh, so it's been, you know, the ultra community is incredibly supportive of, of our community and our amazing allies and team members to make all this work. I. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I, I think ultra running community is is one of the most caring out there, and it's just a natural fit. Um, shifting gears, Scott, I I had like one or two just kind of direct questions on like how's COVID affecting your running these days, and how has having a second child affected things? Isn't that quite the game changer? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like I didn't know what kind of fire I was walking into, but um, uh, it's like I can't claim ignorance because I knew um, having any children, one or two or three or four, whatever people, um, you, like 
most people, you, you can't really uh, claim ignorance. So I knew it was going to add another dimension. And so if you hear anything in the background, my little guy just woke up from a nap. So um, it's real world in terms of like, yeah, what's happening okay. here, COVID. Um, I guess the biggest thing, like what COVID has done, um, initially, you know, those first couple months, we were all on you know, pretty high alert of just, but, you know, let's keep things close to home. I don't have a treadmill, surprisingly. I don't train on one, um, but I did keep things relatively close um, just because our trailhead started to become overrun because Boulder was like, oh, everyone's going to go and run on the trails and <laughs> go out for their hikes. So um, the trails were probably the, the da- most dangerous spot here in Boulder because people are just gathering in huge numbers and taking off on their runs and hikes. So um, I stuck to mainly the the roads and did a lot of like mountain road running, mm-hmm. which I, you know, I'm not afraid to get on the road. There's no like bad water, Spartathlon, 24 hour road race. I, I actually don't hate the road. So it was fun for me to like get on some of these mountain roads that I haven't trained on as much often. So I used it again as just gaining a different perspective. And then with kids, um, like I mentioned, I got one who just woke up and then doubling that down with two kids, um, with COVID it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty tough from a standpoint of like, you know, juggling schedules, a lot of jogger time. Um, I kind of did my own Boston commemoration run where I just ran one mile, basically circumference away from my house and, you know, push the jogger on some of those loops. And, you know, I guess having a partner and, you know, spouse, it's like one of those things where you're just juggling everything. And you normally do that, but not having childcare and not having even uh, when things have been kind of loosening up here, it's it's just tricky. Supposedly kids are, are going to preschool in a couple of weeks, but <laughs> it's like planning things. So it's been a, a bit interesting. I really feel for the athletes who are at the peak of their career and had like a year kind of almost taken away from them for events. So I feel from that standpoint, um, for me, again, it's and it's not like, okay, if I didn't get a perfect training run or I'm not able to do, you know, the races I want, it's been as big of a deal, but just even managing the whole family and training situation, that gets, gets to be a you're, logistical. You're not, you're not alone. I mean, element. the remote learning for my kids is going to be uh, full blown chaos. So, uh, <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll I see. Think it's harder if you have the older kids. Yeah, the learning. So our kids are two and four, and you know it's more like we just need a break. And you know, childcare and preschool is really just yeah glorified childcare and you know giving them social. But um, it's interesting. But I think again, it's pers- perspective. And you know, yeah. if I can say some positive things about it, it's um, I got out um, recently here more, and it also made me feel like oh, you know, I. You know, there are a lot of places in the world where people aren't able to run very far from their house. And we've had yeah. pretty good access to getting on the trails, but I also kind of felt guilty. So it's only been recently where I'm like, okay, I really want to go do some mountain runs or these kind of things that I've wanted to do. And um, yeah, it's I've done a little bit of that. But um, yeah, it's it's been interesting. And, you know, I've been adding stuff such as strength training from home, body weight stuff. So it's been, it's been good from that standpoint. Somebody who's like myself, you know, in my mid-40s. Um, trying to mix it up with training and how can I eke out the best in conditioning. I've actually been on the track a lot. So I sympathize with Kyle. <laughs> I think he told me when in a text recently, he was like, I ran 500 miles, you know, from a certain time, but I forget what it was, Kyle, but I totally sympathize with you because yeah, I've been hitting the track and it's one thing like when our tracks opened up here in Boulder, it's a good place to, to do different type of circuit training and interval stuff. So it's been good for me, but again, it's, it's not easy. And I do miss like getting together with, you know, friends such as Kyle and, you know, the visually impaired community that has been a big part so that when we can't get together and celebrate, whether it's training runs or group runs or even, 
you know, these big events that we'd love to do. It's, it's definitely different right now, but yeah. at the same time, you know, running is still there. Um, and thankfully it's not a sport where we need a bunch of people on a field or even close. Although Kyle you know, mentioned a really reality with not having the ability to have a guide. And I don't know if he can maybe speak to that a little bit too, because I was kind of curious what's, you know, what's kosher or what's you know considered not uh, a no-go in terms of recommendations for guiding right now if people mask yeah, up the six sufficiently feet. like yeah, yeah, yeah like what what can we do right now but um you know that's a real thing like you know as much as everyone who had access to running that didn't need a guide or or something like that needing that close interaction of a, another human being um you know running it we could still get out there and do it um but it was definitely i think a huge issue for somebody like kyle who needs a guide it's, I think most folks, myself included, have been treating it on a one-to-one personal level, and I think there's even more need for communication. So I did just return from two weeks in Vermont, so I ran for the first time in months with three guides that were local to the Vermont area, and I just was very honest with them. I said, here's where I'm at. I've quarant- I followed all the Vermont travel guidelines, so I actually home quarantined for seven days, took a test. I said, I'm coming up with that. And if you are comfortable with it, let's run. If you want me to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. I told them because they're in a pretty quiet area of Vermont. I didn't expect them to wear a mask. And they actually said I didn't need to wear a mask because of the quarantining I went through. I chose not to run with a tether because it gives us another couple feet of uh, distance between us. And I'm able to do that because of my usable vision. And then I'm starting to have those same conversations actually this week with my guides in Boston. So asking them, you know, how much, how much exposure have you had? Um, Are you comfortable running? Here's what I've been doing. Uh, Do you want me to wear a mask? Do I want you to wear a mask? So just, I think really good communication. And I think a lot of folks are treating it similar to pods and making sure that their guides are, you know, being responsible uh, outside of when they're running together and then making a decision based on there. So I have uh, maybe one or two more questions and really appreciate your guys' time today. This has been really interesting, fun to speak with both of you. Um, Kyle, I want to hear what maybe the biggest laugh that you and Scott had out at the Western States 100. Did you have a moment where you both were just like dying laughing or or did you keep your game face on the whole time? And Well, I... Unfortunately, I DNF'd at mile 15 and a half, so I actually okay. did not make it to Scott. So we Spoiler laughed. alert, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> we did, you know, I we embraced and talked a little bit at Forest Hills uh, when I drove there afterwards, and I think we, I know I laughed after a point, and, you I'm know, sorry, he also, yeah. yeah, and he was incredibly supportive, but, you know, through the training runs and the time out in Boston and Sacramento. I mean, Scott is obviously a a joy to be around and everyone who he's guided, you know, not only appreciates, you know, his guiding abilities, but also just, you know, who he is as a person. He is, he's pretty chill. I mean, one really funny Scott story is I do remember we were in an Uber once and one of my friends who, uh, I don't think, I think it was his first time meeting Scott. Scott was in the front seat and he said, Hey Scott, how'd you get into running? And without a second miss, Scott's like, well, I read this book called Born to Run, and it really inspired me to run. <laughs> just a, oh, just man. A brilliant, brilliant response. 
Scott, we should. I've forgotten, should... I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten about that one. I gotta use that more often. Like sometimes, yeah, they not. I'd be, that yeah. it must be... be like then right, the right moment and the right time where like yeah, yeah. And he kept on asking you all like <laughs> all this running, all your running history and personal questions. Right. And I'm like, he literally has a suitcase of his books on his back. <laughs> you gotta buy a book. <laughs> Yeah, Scott, you'd, uh, you'd be funny. good at prank calls, man. I, I have a feeling <laughs> yeah. I could see well, one I of those in the, in the era, future. I lived in the era back when you know prank calling was definitely something you did for entertainment. And, you know, I grew <laughs> up out in a rural area, so yeah, I I yeah, grew up around you know the old fashioned uh, voicemail machines and yeah, those those kind of things that people on the rotary phones. But yeah, people hardly even remember those days. We, we like. should uh, <laughs> we should leave Dean Carnassus a uh, a prank message. Um, okay, I'll have to. Think of that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, and I should mention too that those who do want to follow, there's a great you know video series like there's shorts that uh, Cliff Bar did with Kyle because it was um, such a they were starting to realize like hey you know it'd be cool to like capture some of those videos. So those of you that want to follow along and yeah, sorry the spoiler alert there, but um, yeah, I mean it's just one of those things. Anybody who's been an ultra too, like you just never know what's going to happen. And unfortunately, I think I remember yeah. telling Kyle like <laughs> I mean I remember. Yeah, that it was a tough, you know, time to see him after he'd been out there waiting for a ride and, and getting a ride back. But you know, just with the type of snow that he encountered, I mean, you just don't have any time to make it up. So unfortunately, everything that got put into you know Kyle's lap in terms of the snowfall and what the trail conditions were, you just in the first sixteen miles, you, you just can't make that up. Unfortunately, yeah, he just got hit with a double whammy there with really bad snow and ice and footing that just wreaks havoc on somebody who's visually impaired no matter how good you are in in my only other and this is a, a real deep question kyle do your friends ask questions like can they get hooked up with scott and what's your friend doing with all the rice balls and <laughs> i mean there has to be some some other uh just great experiences that you guys have shared i mean it sounds like just from your your few guiding experiences, you guys have really truly bonded. I think that speaks to the relationship that evolves from one not only the running community, but as you mentioned, the ultra and trail running community, but also that grows out of the runner and sighted guide relationship. It really takes running, which I think a lot of people view as a very individualistic sport, and it turns it into a team sport, which is beautiful. I, that's amazing. I mean, we're on um, reference earlier. I'll just reference earlier. Thing, yeah. But in that I uh, mentioned that, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like I've known Kyle for a long time and, you know, it's not like we've run a hundred times together. <laughs> that's how a lot of these uh, guiding situations work is that unless you have, you know, unless you're buddies and you live close together and you're kind of like a regular training partner, um, a lot of times, you know, you get into these guiding experiences and this again is a testament to, people out there listening that want to get involved it's not like you have to have you know tons of experience and hanging out with this individual it's just like you just start meshing and clicking and it's almost like you start speaking a new language and a great friendship grows out of like i've only hung out with kyle probably i don't know kyle like maybe we've seen each other 10 times or something it's not like you know we go way back but i feel like I've known Kyle you know, so well because you're embedded with this person in such a close relationship and, and just having to work together, like Kyle mentioned, as a team and as you, you know, 
basically as one individual, um, even though you've got two brains and you've got, uh, you know, one set of maybe really good eyes and one set that might be hampered a bit, um, depending upon how much vision loss, but it's, it's pretty cool. So I think that for anybody thinking about it, like, you don't have to be super close friends. Um, you can jump in a situation and start guiding with somebody that you've never met before. That's what a lot of times I've done. And it sounds a little scary to somebody who has never guided, but it, it's something you just get really comfortable with. And you can you can crack jokes and, and you don't have to worry about things. I mean, I think the visually impaired community is like some of the, they're some of the coolest people where they're like, you know, worst thing that's going to happen to me is I might, you know, get bloody and fall on my face. And you know, they, they just start really low key. They're, they're not expecting, I know maybe uh, Chaz might say things differently, Kyle, especially if he's trying to set a record. He's a total <laughs> badass. So he might not, you know, he might not appreciate tripping when he's trying to crank out, you know, a 230 marathon. But I just feel like, yeah, the visually impaired community is um, just one of the most, you know, loving and just really fun. I mean, if, if ultra runners are eclectic, the visually impaired community is like eclectic times 12 and they're just so cool. Yeah. And I mean that in a good way. It's just such cool individuals. They're doing so many things looking outside the sport of running. You're like, what do you like? You run companies, you're the CEO, you, you know, you run uh, United in stride. I mean, there's just all these cool people that are doing things that you're like, wow, you're doing that without a vision, with any vision at all, completely blind sometimes. Well, I think that if uh, Rob and I weren't sold before, uh, which we definitely were, we are now. So we well, would, you should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously. Absolutely. Like, we there's were, a great I, chapter in Denver. I, you guys both located in the Denver area. I'm in Denver. Okay. I, I'm in Florida for a few more months, and then California. Okay. Um, well, Denver's got a great chapter of Achilles International. I don't know when, yeah, those runs will be happening again, but you should definitely check it out. And yeah. Kyle, I'll let him yep. talk away about United in Stride because uh, everyone should um, know how to get connected. It's yeah. say so, with, uh, so United in Stride was, oops, sorry. So nope. United in Stride nope. was essentially set up to connect, you know, runners with guides runners who are blind or visually impaired would guide so it's a it's a website it's simply unitedinstride.com and it's for individuals who want to get connected to guides or runners in their local community or even when traveling so when richard in the mass association for the blind and visually impaired where i work at first founded and launched united in stride it was to both connect runners in their local communities so and then also, if you're traveling for work or vacation, it's nice to have this network of guides that you can tap into. So you essentially hop on the website, you create a profile which has your demographics, your pacing, your distances, and then you're able to connect. You do a search based on your zip code, and that spits out anyone near you. You can set it for like 5, 20, 50 miles, and then it tells you other runners who are blind or visually impaired and guides who are within that radius. And then much like Facebook Messenger, you can connect and message message people directly through United in Stride and say, hey, I'm a runner who is visually impaired. I'm looking for a guide or to walk twice a week. Are you interested? And then you can move that conversation onto your private email. And then there's also a whole slew of resources on the page. The best one being there's actually a five or six minute training video. So for individuals who have never guided before or runners who have never run with a guide before. The training video is a great introductory to the basics around guiding as well. And it's all throughout the country and Canada as well. That's am- that's amazing. I mean, I, I find both you guys equally inspiring 
Scott, I've I've only read your book a few times. I'm waiting for the uh, the South edition to come out. I, I don't know if that's out yet. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's about trying to keep sanity with kids. Uh, <laughs> and like, yeah, or yeah, you never know. I might go south on the AT at some point. Um, yeah, even though Jenny said one and done, those have read the book. No, she was like, no, we're just you know, this is a one time deal. She's not messing um, around. <laughs> got that opportunity. I've read it. Um, no, people should definitely be more inspired by Kyle, and I, I feel like inspiration is a loose uh, term that's thrown out there a lot or a word but um i i just can't say enough to like individuals like kyle where you know again it's not just inspiration it's just realizing that um and they don't need any sympathy they don't need somebody to like say wow you're amazing um it's more just like it, it just gives us a different perspective i think that's what anybody can do you don't have to be a total badass winning races you don't have to be somebody who's visually impaired um but it's a testament to just what people do with different abilities out there and how we can all, you know, encourage others to really push themselves. That's awesome. Scott, Kyle, I, thank I you guys so much. For Kyle, real quick. Oh, okay. I got one more question for Kyle. Just yeah, sure. Got a second. Um, so Kyle, have you thought about getting a, uh, a canine running companion with COVID and if this uh, situation continues or like you get another situation where like running with guides isn't as uh, compatible? Yeah, I mean, as my vision continues to decrease, uh, a guide dog is definitely probably not too far out on the horizon and would certainly be interested in the program with the guide dogs who are also trained to run. And partly, you know, the biggest challenge for individuals who are blind or visually impaired to get outside and recreate, whether that's bike, run, walk, jog, is the access to sighted guides. So, whether that's a human-sighted guide or a, through a guide dog program, it's, it's certainly something that I'm interested in. I love it. That's cool. Scott, you're, I'm surprised you don't have your own podcast at this point. You, you <laughs> like this. You, you like, I don't know. I mean. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I've toyed with it, but honestly, yeah, there's, I, I just, I don't listen to a, a lot of podcasts, but yeah, it's, it's fun to converse and I don't know, maybe I almost talk too much. That's where like, yeah, having my own podcast would be, no, would be fun in some way, but uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great. But I was just curious. I haven't actually asked Kyle that uh, before, but I know it's a pretty cool program. Um, another friend of ours, uh, Thomas Ponek, who runs uh, Guiding Eyes, um, and he trains dogs for visually impaired runners just to get through daily activities, but they've started a whole uh, running guide cool. dog uh, program, and it's it's pretty cool. They take them through a different training, so I just had to ask. I mean, again, yeah. I know Kyle loves his guides, and it's one of those things, but just another, you know, I think another tool to have probably um, just to be able to, like, if it's kind of like if you don't have one training partner available, your other <laughs> training partner yeah. is available. So um, I feel like those of us who don't rely on guides it's always like gosh we better have backup uh, training buddies yeah. uh, to help us through so yeah it's it's definitely yeah. a fascinating world and yeah again yeah kyle you're you're awesome no for sure thanks i mean just to put it in perspective you know guides if you're a runner who is running five days a week you need about eight to ten sighted guides wow. uh, as, as part of your That's network awesome. so i think that speaks to the huge need of you know we're always trying to encourage more individuals who are blind or visually impaired to be active but the flip side of that is always trying to recruit sighted guides i get emails literally daily saying hey do you i want to run do you happen to know any guides in xyz area and united in stride is a great resource but we are not in every city and town so the more that we can encourage folks to you know volunteer in this way and share their site 
as a guide, uh, the better that we all will we'll all be. Well, I I will leave a link in the show notes. Check it out, United in Stride. I definitely recommend uh, the listener get in some miles with with this program. It, it it's doing just amazing things, and it's just opening up awesome avenues for for guys like Kyle. So thank you guys for all. Uh, taking so much time and, and joining me on the podcast. I'm, I'm excited to share this. You bet. It was awesome being on. Yeah, thanks for the invite and helping raise awareness around this. Uh, greatly appreciate it. And that was episode 142. Big thank you to Scott Jurek and Kyle Robidoux for taking so much of their time and sharing United in Stride with us. Big thank you to Alyssa Clark, as always, for helping co-host the podcast. Big shout out to the sponsors, Hammer Nutrition, Exoskin, Kogala, Destination Trail, and you Patreon supporters. Have a great week. Don't forget to enjoy your training. See ya.